Welcome to Frontiers of Faith, a podcast of the Pontifical Mission Societies. Hi, I am Katie, and I am without Monsignor Kieran this Advent. I'm in your feed on Monday, and we're actually going to drop you a small mini episode every Monday during Advent to help you orient your heart toward mission and see all of the different ways that there are in the world to be a missionary. I got the incredible experience of going to the National Catholic Youth Conference this past November, and I was able to meet with several different types of missionaries. So throughout the uh, Advent season, you're going to get to hear from a couple of different types of missions and see which one could be best for you. If you wanted to join a missionary organization, if you want to support a missionary organization, there are so many ways to be a mission in God's church. Um, and I'm excited to share some of those with you. So without further ado, this first week, we will be uh, talking to Father Adam McDonald from the Divine Word Missionaries. And uh, I'm sorry about the audio quality. We were in a very, very busy uh conference hall, but I think that you'll love to hear what he's doing, his work, and we'll see you on Friday for our traditional episode as well. Have a great Advent. All right, welcome to the Frontiers of Faith, the podcast of the Pontifical Mission Societies. I am Katie Ruvalcaba, and I am still here at NCYC, and I am meeting with Father Adam McDonald, who is going to tell us a little bit about his missionary experience. What do you got for us, Father? Hi, thank you for inviting me to share a little bit. As you mentioned, my name is Father Adam McDonald. I'm a Divine Word missionary. We're also known as the Society of the Divine Word. We're an international religious congregation of missionaries of the Divine Word, of the Word of God. (laughs) So our mission is all about spreading knowledge of the Word of God, preaching the gospel, giving retreats, leading people closer to Christ through His Word, and living the gospel message and witnessing it through all of our missionary activities, which are based on looking out for and serving the needs of the last, the least, the forgotten, the poor, and the marginalized in our society. Currently, I do that in Chicago, Illinois, where I serve as superior of a house of formation for 19 young men who have said yes to God's call and are studying to be members of my community. They're all in temporary vows, studying theology, and they're just years away from what we hope will be and pray, if it's God's will, would be their ordination as priests, and some of them will be religious brothers, and then we'll send them out on mission all around the world. I think it's so funny how very often when I'm talking to people who are in a missionary organization, they'll say, ah, yes, I'm from the Missionary Diocese of Chicago. (laughs) It's always that way. I don't know what's going on in Chicago. You're breeding missionaries left and right up there. Absolutely. Oh, fantastic. Well, can you tell me about, um, where was the last place that you were on mission yourself? Sure. So I will say that we say that there's a lot of mission in Chicago because we believe in Divine Word that mission is both local and global, of course. But the last place I was on mission overseas was in the Philippines. I spent four years in the Philippines. I learned the Tagalog language, and I had a variety of ministries there, including serving an indigenous native tribe of Filipinos called the Mungan people. And then I was also assigned as assistant parish priest in a large parish just outside of the capital city, Manila, where we had 25,000 parishioners, 14 masses on Sunday, three weddings on Saturday, funerals, baptisms every week. I baptized as few as five children on a Sunday, as many as 36 all at one time. Pretty amazing. Prior to that, I had the chance to serve in Japan. Just spent a short year in Japan, and let me tell you, I could not have had two more different experiences. Japan is less than 1% Christian. The way that we are missionaries in Japan in my community is primarily through education. So we run schools and a university. I go to the Philippines, and it's 85% Catholic. So what a difference. Japan is also very materially advanced, uh, how do you say, very uh, progressive economically, whereas the Philippines has a lot of material poverty. And so I really had two very different but very good experiences of serving God's people in other parts of the world. So when you were in the Philippines um, and you're serving those people, you're talking about their 
physical needs as well as their spiritual needs. And it looks like they have a pretty substantial spiritual need if you got 35 baptisms in a week. Correct. Not in a bad way, but yes. like just you got to have enough priests to cover that That's situation. Right. What were some of the material needs that you found that uh, your organization was able to help with? The Divine Word Missionaries in the Philippines help in a big way through education. We actually have an educational association in the Philippines, which includes two universities and six colleges spread throughout the archipelago, the islands of the Philippines from north to south. We also do work with those who are in need of housing. So we have an organization called the Samahang Bagong Buhay Foundation, translated as the Foundation for a New Life. And I was one of the associate directors of this program that works to build communities of housing, which would be called inclusive communities, which included a school, which included a co-op where people could get jobs, a little store where they could sell their goods. It had a health clinic and things, and then the housing dimension as well. We also found that healthcare is lacking for many Filipinos. When I was working with the indigenous Mangyan tribe, we worked with a lot of doctors and nurses to do medical missions, and they would climb the mountains with us and go to these remote villages to bring life-saving remedies for things that you and I in our context in North America would think we would just go to CVS and get some Pepto-Bismol. Yeah. People were dying of things like diarrhea, people who didn't have access to an inhaler for their asthma. So they would bring these simple sample medications, little inhalers, and literally saved lives before my very eyes. It was very humbling. So healthcare, education, housing, access to food. We have programs where we teach people how to farm and cultivate their land so they can yield better uh, drought-resistant crops, for instance, that can provide a reliable bounty for people to live on as well. So those were some of the needs that we tried to focus on. Okay. So, and then by contrast in Japan, you said that you were doing a lot of different education type things. Does that look like um, apologetics, or are you combating a lot of misinformation, or what are you looking at there? Yeah, I'd say less than apologetics. It's more a sense of simply wanting to be relevant in Japanese society. People think about Japan, and they think about the film that came out a number of years ago called Silence, the Martin Scorsese film, where it really showed like the early introduction of Christianity into Japan, and how that was very much opposed at that time. Now I would say the opposition is not anything military, it's nothing organized by the government. It's simply more of an apathy or indifference because most Japanese simply don't have a context for understanding the worldview of Christianity. They're not opposed to it, they don't necessarily dislike it, they just don't really care or they're indifferent to it. And so what we do is through education running the universities and the schools is that everyone who wants to study at our school has to take a course in Christian theology. They don't have to convert, although some do, but the idea is that at least they are exposed to and have their minds expanded to understand more about the worldview of Christianity and specifically Catholicism. And it seems that, you know, there are people that convert. We actually have native-born Japanese members in our congregation, two of whom happen to be bishops in Japan. Oh my gosh! One is the current Archbishop of Tokyo, Bishop Isao Kikuchi. Okay. We go by the initials SVD for our congregation. And the other is Bishop Naruto Daisuke Naruto, and he serves in northern Japan in a diocese called Niigata. And so somehow there's a recognition in Japan that even though there are only 400,000 Catholics out of 128 million people, that we have been serving them for over 100 years. And the Holy Father, the church as it is, sees us as reliable partners that, you know, we're not going anywhere. We're, we're committed to being there for the long haul. And it's, and it's really a, a privilege, but it's also very humbling to be called to serve at those levels, the people of Japan. That's incredible work that you're doing. I'm so thankful that I got to talk to you. You just really opened my eyes. I really didn't think a whole lot about Japan as a missionary area because you're right. You don't think of Japan as being a terrifically Christian culture. 
But man, you guys are doing some great work out there. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Thanks for the invitation. God bless. Bye. Frontiers of Faith is a podcast of the Pontifical Mission Societies, produced by Katie Ruvalcaba. Theme music by Ethan Stevie. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Faith underscore Frontiers and at Frontiers of Faith on Facebook and Instagram. To support the work of the Pontifical Mission Societies, please go to onefamilyinmission.org to donate.